Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, I'm excited to share what God has put on my heart for our church for this year and for what he's doing. As we get started, there's a picture that I need to share with you um, it's, it's a picture for you, but this is real life for us. We were at the mall about a month ago around Christmas time, and uh, we don't go often, so we were there trying to make the most of that opportunity. It's hard with three young kids. And we got to the point where Priscilla had to go into a store, and she goes, just take the kids, go downstairs, meet me at that other store. I was like, okay, I think I got it. Uh, so I get to the escalator and I have Nathan in my arms. Josiah's with me and Abby's right here. So we all step onto the escalator, I thought. And so we're on, we're starting to descend. And I realized Abby stopped because she was afraid. Now, if you've ever seen the movie Elf, right, he's going up the escalator and he's almost like doing the splits going up. While going down, I felt a little in that same predicament. And my daughter's up there. We're down here. There are a lineup of people behind her trying to walk, and she just stopped dead in her tracks. And then here I am holding Nathan, and I'm like, Josiah. And we're like five steps now away from the top, and I just, I gave it all I had. I said, I got to grab my daughter because I don't want to leave her up there thinking to go down and then all the way back, you know, as a father, that's a scary thought. So I gave it all I had with my other two kids going against the flow of the, the descending escalator to get my daughter. Vision Sunday for me is like we're all getting on the escalator. We're not descending, we're ascending, hopefully, in where we're headed. But the idea is I, I would hate to be the only person getting on the escalator and everyone else is stuck behind. So today, the, the intent of Vision Sunday is not anything to do with pride. Look at us. Look at what we're going to do this year. No, no, no. With fear and trembling, reverently, with humility, I'm approaching today. But much excitement. Don't get me wrong. But I'm approaching it like, God, this is, we're handling this carefully because we feel like you're entrusting us with a lot for 2019. And I'm so excited to share what that looks like for us. But my intent, and right in the beginning, I want to make sure you grab this. Don't let me be the only guy on the escalator. I, I convinced my wife to step on with me at this point. Because she looks at me sometimes and goes, you're crazy. You're crazy. No, I call it faith. It's not crazy. And, and today, my prayer is when we walk out of church, we are all on the journey together, leaving no person behind. Can you say Amen. And so this year, I felt, and I've said it before, so it's not a secret, but I felt God gave me a specific word for 2019, and the word is promise, that 2019 is a year of promise. Promises from God to us, but at the same time, if we want God to do everything He said, we have to make sure that we fulfill our promise to Him. So promise is always a two-way street, right? The ring on this finger is a symbol outwardly of the inward commitment I've made to my wife, the promise that we've made at the altar when we got married, right? So everyone knows its, it's symbol is circular because there's no beginning and no end. So it's meant to endure and to last forever. 
And so just like we have this, it's a two-way commitment that becomes one. God can make all the promises he, want, he wants to you and to me and to our church. But unless we commit faithfully back to him, then what's the point of Vision Sunday? What's the point? So today, and if you're a guest with us today, um, the, some of this you might be like, oh, I'm just here for one day and I'm not planning to come back. That's okay. Um, but, but you can still listen and, and, and maybe God is going to grip your heart that you say, you know, I'm going to get on the escalator and we're going to go this journey together. And, and you're more than welcome to come back every single Sunday for even Friday on Connect Night because this is part of God's plan. That we are a church that's connected. So 2019, the year of promise. Yes, promises from God to us. But also a year where we say, God, we promise to be committed. And faithfully committed. Even on weather, snow, cold. Yeah, we're committed. We're here. We show up. There are promises that he wants to fulfill in 2019. This is what I sense God saying. And then there are promises that he wants to speak over us in 2019. So it's a year of promise. And in the coming weeks, we're going to hear a number of messages around this theme of promise. But today, as we get started, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him... The amen is spoken by who? By us, to the glory of God. So as God, who is the God of promise, speaks, right? He is saying yes, but we have to say amen. We have to say amen to what God has said yes to in our lives. So the promises, as they come, the yes is from heaven, but the amen is from earth. And we say, God, amen. So be it. As you have promised, so be it. Let us see it through Christ Jesus. And at the end of it, don't miss it, he gets the glory by our amen. It's not for us only. We are recipients. We will benefit from the promises that God has made us. But don't be fooled. You don't get the glory. We weren't made to receive glory from men. We were created to to give him glory. We were created to worship him. And so one of the church's foundational promises that Jesus spoke is found in Matthew chapter 16. So if you have your Bible, can you stand if you're able to? And we'll read out of Matthew 16 as we get started. Matthew 16. It'll be on the screen as well. And we'll begin reading at verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. If you're there, shout amen. Amen. So here's what it says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, verse 17, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock 
I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for everything that's going to be spoken from this pulpit. And Father, I simply ask that you would open our hearts that we would hear not just a pastor speaking, but Father, we would hear the voice of God. Lord, that we would catch the vision, that we would be able to run with it, and Father, that we would get behind it as well. Because Father, this is what you've spoken to our hearts as leaders, and now we're trying to communicate it to your people. So God, we thank you. I ask for your anointing on my mind, my lips, and my heart as I would speak your word today to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. One of the greatest promises that the church has are the words that Jesus spoke upon Peter's confession that he was the Messiah. Now, Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because no one has revealed this to you except the Father. So uh, Peter had special insight into this question of, but who do you say that I am? And his response evokes a response from Jesus. So in verse 16, Peter declared Jesus' true significance because he said, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And now Jesus in turn reveals where Peter stands in the working out of God's purpose. So As Peter's answer or confession was encapsulated in a title, Messiah, because that's basically what he was getting down to, now Jesus sums up Peter's significance in a name, which is Peter, because his name was Simon, and Jesus gave him that name Peter. And there's the significance because he says, well, now you are Peter, And upon this rock, because the word Peter is Petra in the Greek. Now, Petra is in the feminine sense, so Petros is in the masculine sense. So he was saying, you are Peter, rock, bedrock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, or death, will not prevail against it and so what he's declaring over Peter is prophetic it's prophetic and if you read the book of Acts you see that Peter is a key figure in Acts chapter 1 and 2 where on the day of Pentecost he steps up to preach this guy um, by the way let me just clarify one thing rock Petros, Peter, when Jesus is calling that him that, he's not referring to his character. Why? Because we would read later on how Peter was the one who denied Jesus three times. So it wasn't in reference to your character is that of a rock. Because he was wavering. He, he wasn't as steady as maybe we like to think he was. But he was saying, I'm going to use you for the purpose of my kingdom 
And in Acts, Peter steps up. I don't want to get into all of that. The part I really want to focus and hone in on as we get started today um, is the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And I want to say this, as today's Vision Sunday, we might feel like, okay, this is a heavy weight for us. I want to say that there's a lot that God put on my heart to share for this year, but it's all in this thing, it's all encapsulated and under this umbrella that Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church. So there's no pressure on us in the sense of how do we build this thing. And by the way, the church is not this edifice, this building. This is just a building that we have built in the early 80s and then renovated in 2017. And we dedicated it and we set it apart for the purpose of meeting like we are today, gathering today for worship, for teaching, on Friday nights for for life, community life, to, to connect with one another. So this building has been set apart for a special purpose, but at the end of the day, it's still brick and mortar and carpet and wood. We are the church, and here's the thing I need you to get, that a lot of times we think, well, what can the church offer me? What can I get from this church? And maybe uh, there are people who church shop, and they go from church to church, like you would shop from window to window at the mall, looking for the best outfit, the best fit for you and for your family. And I understand um, that today that's a common practice. But I want to submit this thought to you, that maybe it shouldn't be so common for the church, though. And I'll tell you why. That's a, a consumer mentality, where I'm. what am I going to get out of this church? What am I going to get out of showing up today? But re, in reality, if you consider yourself a Christian... And you've received Jesus Christ, the gospel message and the gospel truth. We cannot be satisfied with just consuming. We have to learn that God has gifted us for contributing. That this is how life in church is meant to be lived out. And not in this building. We are the church. Life in the church. Like this. And so let me just correct our way of thinking by a quote that Craig Rochelle says. He says... The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We exist for the world. And there's a big mission field. There's a big mission field. But the Bible says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers out into the field. So to me, you know, great commission, go into all the world. Go. It's not... Hey, see what, um, how much you can get out of your experience on a Sunday morning. It's go. You need to go. And so we exist, church, for the world. We ought to make a difference in the world, not just in this building. But wherever we go, we are the church and we represent Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. What does that mean? It means that the church, as God instituted it and set it up on the earth, it'll never be defeated. It'll never die, and it'll never cease to exist. Truth, yeah, you can look around and see churches for sale, buildings. There are churches that they turn them into like these million-dollar condominiums. I'm not naive. I know all of that. 
But again, church, that's just a building. There are churches who are buying warehouses, I don't know how many thousands of square feet, and converting those into churches all over North America. So though, though you might think one way, the church of God is not dying, but it's alive and it's active, and, and there's a mission for the church. And we will not cease to exist until God says, come away, come, come with me. And we're joined together at the end of this age here. And so the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, I will build my church. So though I'm the lead pastor at Weston Road and it's a privilege and I walk humbly in this role before you, I, I'm completely leaning on the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. And when I think about that, and, and nothing can come against what God has started in terms of the church, I, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Even if there is legislation that says you can no longer freely speak or preach the word of God, that's not going to stop the mission of God. It's, it, they tried in the book of Acts to stop the disciples from speaking about Jesus. They said, if you preach in the name of Jesus, we'll throw you in jail. And guess what? What did they do? Well, they didn't stop. They went to jail. But guess what? The church advanced because Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. So we have a mission to fulfill. And this year is a year of promise that God is getting us ready for. That the powers of hell cannot stop it. You know what that reminds me of? In your life, if you're a believer, you're the church. As you go about life, you will face obstacles. You will face challenges. You will face things that seem unsurmountable. How am I going to make it? It might even just be as simple as, I can't afford my bills. Well, maybe we need to teach you how to steward that resource in your life, maybe. But I want you to know this, that as you yield your life to God, that you also are unstoppable. Though you might face obstacles and opposition, that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Therefore, if the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me, I have all that I need for life. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to cry myself to sleep. I don't have to wallow in my sorrow and, and drink to numb the pain. No, there's power that is living on the inside of me. If, if you're a believer, you have access to the Holy Spirit. And you have access to power. You just have to draw on the source. It's like being in a room knowing there's a light switch, but you don't turn on the switch. Right? Turn, turn on the switch. You have access to the power. The source has been supplied. Tap into it. And you will see life will be a lot different. So the church doesn't exist for us. We are the church. We exist for the world. So this morning, as we get to the vision side, I just wanted to establish that promise that Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So some vision for 2019. Helen Keller, I remember in elementary school learning about her, but she was a blind lady, and the, she said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And Proverbs 29.18 says this, where there is no vision, or another translation might say revelation, 
people cast off restraint, meaning they start running wild. And so today, as, as we begin to go through this stuff, um, my prayer is that there will be something that you will be able to sink your teeth into in regards to, to Weston and what God is doing here. Maybe if you don't like that analogy because you think of like steak or something, food, like just like something you could anchor yourself and your family into for 2019. With that, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. And I'm going to be transparent, open, and honest because this is the kind of leader I am. I don't fake it and, and pretend like everything's great. Our daughter's been sick two days in a row, three days, I don't know how long. Uh, Priscilla's been the one staying up with her all night long. It's, I slept okay last night, but Priscilla's up here leading worship. Um, but, you know, this is who we are as parents. In this season, we have to just, we go. It's go time. And so the last three years for me, though, since I've become the lead pastor, have been a bit challenging and a little difficult because um, I know that what that verse says in Proverbs, that without vision, the people cast off restraint. We need something to anchor ourselves into and keep us united and on the journey together. And, and I've been like, God, what's the vision? God, I need to, I need to share. Like, and, and you see churches every year. There's Vision Sunday. They have you know, heart for the house, whatever they call it. Um, they share, and, and I'm like, but God, I feel like I'm the new pastor now, and, and I'm supposed to be, like, shooting this stuff on the regular, and I just felt God say, it's, it's not time yet, and I, I would not fake it either and stand here and say, let me just make up something, so at least it feels like there's vision in the house. Um, we faithfully meet, we've been faithfully uh, doing church, church life together, but this year, is different because I felt God say it's been three years of silence but now is the time to speak and I've already everything I'm sharing today we've sat in a in a board meeting at the end of December it was middle mid-December maybe and um, I didn't realize but I spoke for an hour and a half and I don't think I took a breath in our board meeting and then we looked at the time and we're like wow the time flew by I said I I don't apologize, but I do apologize because it took a long time to share what God has been revealing to me for Weston. And so today, um, faith versus sight as we get started. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And let me break that down. Sight is what you see with your eyes open, right? My eyes are open. I have sight. I could see there's a center aisle here. So sight is what, we, what you see with your eyes open. But vision is what you see with your eyes closed. Vision is what you see with your eyes closed. So if, if I would say, I'm not going to ask you to do it. Everyone close your eyes and tell me what you see. Or if I say, think of a jar of Nutella and a loaf of bread. Like you, you would start to visualize things that are not here. But with your eyes closed, you would begin to envision some of these things. Today, what I want to share is not what I see with my eyes open for our church. It's vision, which is what I see when I close my eyes for Weston. Another way of saying it is, it's the already, but not yet. 
because God has spoken it, and I sense that there are promises that he's made for our church, but we haven't seen them yet. And so what I'm sharing with you today, if you look around or if you've been here for a number of years, you might not feel it yet, but I'm sharing what I see, not with my eyes, but when I close my eyes, because that's what vision is, and I seek to share that today. So here's the disclaimer as we get started. If the vision and goals are already attainable or they're within reach already, then the vision is too small. Then the vision is too small. Why? Because then we will be able to say, we did it. We did it. And that's not what I'm actually looking for. That's not what we are looking for as a church board either, as leadership. God-given vision requires God-given help. Divine enablement. Why? Because then we'll only be able to say, He did it. And how does God do it? In us and through us. So He needs every single person here. But here's the thing. It has to be God who does the work in us and through us. Because then all we can say is, He did it. And He gets all the glory. And another thing, as a disclaimer as we get started, is the vision, as we said, has to be big enough that it's, again, we see it with our eyes closed, not open. But then secondly, the vision has to be big enough that it drives us to our knees. It has to drive us to our knees. Or else we still say, well, we did it. It will drive us to our knees. If we want to see what I'm about to share, we have to... Bathe it and birth it in the prayer room. We have to. And so Habakkuk 2, verses 2 to 4 says this. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Not iPads, right? But this is, we're talking a little old school, like stone tablets. In our context, it would be put it on the screen, put it on a website, put it on a poster, on a banner. And we're, we're going to get those made. Don't worry. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So what does that simply mean? You should be able to look at whatever we're going to be putting around the church, whatever is going to be on the website, on the screen. You read it and you will know the heart and the vision for 2019. Make it plain so that people can understand it, they can read it, and then they could run with it. So today, we're starting the process of, of showing you and, and explaining it so that you can run. As a church, we're going to run. We're not taking an escalator up or down. We're going to run. We're going to fast track it like the escalator thing at the airport that just whew, that, that leads you to the gate that you need to go to. So verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come to pass. It will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So we need faith for the vision today. Can you say amen? Amen. So the challenge is that I need to boil everything down to what I feel God is giving me for our church and so I've been talking this out. There's the outworking of what God has already put on my heart. 
And along with that, I'm learning is the challenge of getting the right language and verbiage behind uh, what God is showing so we can understand it simply. So this is what I've done and I've been marinating on this so that it can be very simple for us to understand. And basically, there are six things that I want to share today. So, um, And they're all prefaced with this phrase. The church that I see with my eyes closed is, so number one, a praying church. A praying church. And there's no way we could get to two, three, four, five, and six without number one. Because remember, the vision has to be big enough that it drives us to our knees. It has to. Because that is us saying, God, unless you do it, we don't know how. God, unless you show up in the way that we are expecting, we don't know how the vision is going to come to pass. So a praying church. We are setting aside the first Sunday of every month for encounter night. And did I put some dates up there? So if you want to take a screenshot, if you're taking notes, write this down. We're going to have this available on the podcast this evening, hopefully by 8 p.m., that you can hear it and and just begin listening. I'm going to re-listen to today's message and vision over and over and over to remind myself of what God is speaking into this church. So a praying church, and and there's no easy way, you can't fast-track prayer, you can't You can't just skip it or bypass this step. This is part of the the process of journeying through this year. And we're doing it at the the beginning of every month on a Sunday night at 6.30 p.m. And those nights, we're going to come, we're going to get on our knees, and we're going to say, God, we believe for great things. And God, we are believing that everything that you said for, for this year, for my life and for our church, shall come to pass. And we believe it. But it has to start with prayer. As a believer, you can't skip prayer. This is our time to commune, to communicate. Just like we communicate husband and wife, well, I need to talk to my Heavenly Father, let Him know uh, what I need, let Him know that, Lord, we need You. That's what we need. We need You. So February 3rd, March the 3rd, April 7th, May 5th, we have other things lined up for the rest of the year, but I don't want to overwhelm you with just point number one. But we're going to have to learn to spend time praying. And it won't be necessarily easy because some of us just do like a quick Hail Mary prayer. Father, just watch over us today as we go because life is crazy and busy. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's our prayer time. And and God this year is going to take us further and deeper in, our, in this area in our lives, and including me, including me. So that's number one. The church that I see with my eyes closed is, number two, a staffed church. A staffed church. Um, you might not be aware or understand what I mean by this. Um, so basically, I'm the only paid staff at the church. And uh, if you look around, you might not feel it. Maybe you do. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how you perceive uh, everything that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure. And I've, I, I'm a, I don't run too much physically. I do the elliptical mostly now. Um, but spiritually and in the role here at the church, we, my wife included, we've been running at 120 for the last three years. 
And uh, we've had Spencer on board, and, and God transitioned them um, in 2018 in April. So since April of last year, um, I'm the only paid staff. Now, I have to say, obviously, we have a ton of help because we have incredible leaders who serve. They're not paid. They don't even ask for recognition. Um, but w- we took time in November to just hold an appreciation brunch to say thank you because that's how the church runs and functions even if we only have one staff. Um, so I just want to say thank you. And there are teachers right now with kids who aren't hearing this today. And I hope they listen on the podcast um, that we thank and we're so thankful that there are people who see the, the truth of what I already shared, that we exist as the church for the world and for people and we serve and this is who we are as Christians but the reality is we are understaffed Um, and enabled in order for the vision to happen in the fullness of what I sense God showing me um, we have to add to the staff now there's obviously provision um, but we're looking for an associate pastor what's funny or interesting is Six months ago, in the summer, we, as a board, created a ministry description for the, a different role altogether in the church. And it's amazing how, in just a short amount of time, the, the actual ministry description is completely different for what God has done in the last six months. So we're looking for an associate pastor who will come and take the vision further faster. And this is what I sense, and I'll take, again, this is what I see with my eyes closed, and I I just sense this, that God is saying, you're thinking one, and someone in church uh, had a conversation with me, and it really floored me. I don't know if I told them, but they said, oh, pastor, maybe it's not even just one. Maybe it's two and three and four in this year. And I thought, if you only knew everything that God already put on my heart uh, to share. And so, with my eyes open, I don't even need to close them. I know we need an associate pastor. With my eyes closed, I feel just maybe that God is saying, get ready, because one is, is just a start. But when this thing gets rolling, we're going to need two, and then three, and then four. And the word God gave me was, a t- like, team. I've been alone here at the church, but he wants to surround you with a team. That's what I felt God speak to me. And that's a more personal thing for me. But I said, okay, God, I'm not going to fight or push that way because that has to be you. That's from you. So I'll leave that up to God to unfold in our plan. But that's the reality. And so number two is a staffed church. And uh, as we get to number three, um, the church that I see with my eyes closed is a growing church. A growing church. And this is the part for me that is very important for us to grasp, to get our, our, our head and our heart especially around. How do we grow the church? Well, I want to start by saying how we will not grow the church. We will not grow the church um, by using people we have to reach people we want. We will not use people we have to reach people we want. And I think a lot of churches get so caught up in numbers and and in just filling up this that they basically use, and I'll use that word, they use the people to accomplish their goal of reaching the actual people that they want. 
And I want to reassure every single person here that we're not interested in growing that way. We, we value your contribution and we want you to be a part. And obviously there's a role that each of us has to play as the church grows. But that's not what we're after. We don't want to just use people because that's not what Jesus taught us by his model of ministry. And then secondly, we're not wanting to attract people from neighboring churches either. Uh, I met a guest a couple of weeks ago who said, uh, maybe it was last Sunday, they said the, the subway was closed, so I couldn't make it to my church. I said, I'm so happy that you came here. But I said, make sure you go back to your church once that subway is open, because that's where you belong. If you have a home church, go to your church. Uh, we're grateful that you came and you still showed up to church, because we are the church, right? The family of God is all over the world meeting on this day. But... I'm not interested in, in attracting people. That's the shopper mentality. Hey, look at us. This is what we do. Check this out. Look at what we could do compared to the other church. I'm not, I'm not that kind of a guy. That's not the kind of ministry uh, that, that I'm into. Like, like, let's empty one church to fill our church. No, no, no. The heart has to be for the, the lost, the broken, the hurting, the people that... that don't know that there's a God who loves them, that has plans, a future, and a hope to give them a better life than what they understand and what they know. And so when I talk about growth, obviously it means we're going to, have, we're going to fill this place. And people are a part of that. Um, in our overflow campaign, we, had, we coined this phrase where we said every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And, and that is kind of the, the thrust when we say church growth. That you might come in, and, and, um, and obviously we, we have to track people and, and things like that, but every number has a name, and every name has a story. Every story matters to God. And what we're after is people. We're after people. That they would know God. That they would know His heart. And, and I want to be very clear on this point. Because what God has shown me is some people won't see this work that we're doing now at the beginning of the year. But, you know, there are people right now working at Toronto Pearson Airport, right? There's someone, I know a father here who works there at the airport. And... Another person here works at the airport, right? We don't really see all the work that goes on behind the scenes to get the airplanes ready. But from here even, I see the airplanes up in the sky. And they're taking flight. And what God showed me is that people won't see the hard work we're doing. But as this starts to get outside the walls of this building... And people in the community start knowing, and other people at other churches start hearing, and online, and people start uh, taking notice of Weston. It's almost like taking notice of an airplane in the sky. And I'm saying it clearly today, so everyone here can hear it. It's going to be recorded for the podcast as well. That That's okay. And people might come because they're interested People might come because they want to experience what God is doing in this house. 
But that's okay. But I'll still say, if you have a home church, go back. Go back. Go back to your church. Be a vessel that God can use there where you're planted. I'm saying it clearly because I don't want to attract other church people to fill our church. They'll notice. They might come. But I want you to know my heart so that you echo the same sentiment. We could fill this place next Sunday just by making it very attractional. The only thing I want people to be attracted by is the presence of God that's in this place. That's how we will grow the church. And we cannot get to that point until we get on our knees. And we say, God, I desire your presence more than anything else. We can get young people in the door by serving pizza for free and having, you know, all these video games. And there is a time and place where we do that. But if we build our youth ministry or our kids' ministry solely on bouncy castles and pizza parties and cotton candy, when we stop serving pizza, guess what? You can say, hey, oh, where, where's the pizza? Where's, the co- where's all the cotton candy? Where's the popcorn machine? Where are the bouncies? Well, we're going to go find another church that has them every Sunday or every Friday. Right? But when they come here and it's the presence of God... That, encounter, that they encounter, guess what? There's no other place, no other building, no other theater, concert hall downtown that you could walk into that will feel the same as when they encounter the presence of God. In the Old Testament, there was a weight to the presence of God. There was a cloud. There's a description where it said like the, it was a thick cloud that filled the place. That's kind of, when we say the presence of God in this place, when people walk in off the street, maybe they're hungover, drugged up, I don't know what they're coming from, and they walk into this place, they begin to be welcomed with our worship of God, there's going to be something that's going to change inside of them when they walk into this atmosphere. And so how do we grow the church? I just told you how we won't grow the church. But I will tell you now some things that I do feel are very vital. We will grow not by focusing on numbers, but on health. And here's the phrase that God showed me. Healthy things grow and growing things change. Healthy things grow and growing things change. Case in point, my six-year-old son, right? He's not hit adolescence quite yet, but Priscilla and I are like, we have to start preparing because in, in a few short years, you know, we're going to have to start talking to him about teenage stuff. And we're going to have to prepare him for that, right? But he started as a baby. And listen, if, the, if he wasn't a certain weight when he was born, they wouldn't even have let us take him out of the hospital, they wanted to ensure that he's healthy. If they're not hitting their, their targets as they're growing, right? What does the doctor always assess? Their health. Why? Because healthy things grow. If there's no growth, let's go back and assess the health. So as, as a church, we're going to be a healthy church. Not just physically, but I'm saying spiritually. We're going to be a healthy house. Because healthy things grow. And then as this becomes the norm, growing things change. Like my son, like new shoes, new jeans. Uh, we're like, where did you learn those new words? Because we don't like all of them necessarily. Or the new attitude, right? Growing things change. For the church, um, I, I sense that God is preparing us that 
Some of us like comfort. And so get ready because the only comfortable thing you'll have is change. And that's what I feel God showing us for this coming year. Healthy things grow. Growing things change. So we're going to not focus necessarily on the numbers and use the people we have to reach people we want. We're going to focus on your health. Your health. How are you being discipled? Are you reading your Bible? Are you spending time with God? Are you growing in your faith? How are your finances? Are you stewarding every resource in your life well? Are you, uh, or are you in debt? You know, because some of us, like, we have no control over those practical areas, but then we want God to bless us with more money or a better job. But he's saying, you can't even manage what you have. Why would I entrust you with more? So this year, we're going to focus on health, because healthy things grow. Uh, something we've never done before, which we are doing this year, is we are going to set a growth goal for our church. And when I say the vision has to be big and it has to drive us to our knees, here's the growth goal that we are believing God for 100 people, 100 new people for our church. Thank you for the four people that are excited. Um, why would you put a, a crazy number like that? I'll tell you why. We've been a church of about 175 for as long as I've been here. It's about seven years almost since I first came on staff as associate pastor. And I think through the years, God has done great things. Uh, I say think. I know he has, but I wasn't here. I wasn't at this church to be able to experience and witness all of them. I know he's done great things. I know he's been faithful or else we wouldn't be here today. He'll always be faithful. But what I sense God preparing us for is to break this growth barrier of 200. And see, I could have said 25, right? But guess what? We're not too far. That's, a bit, that's within reach. That doesn't really drive us to our knees. We could say, we did it. Hey, high five. Let's have an espresso and, and, and celebrate together. 50? Oh, pastor, you're being a bit courageous, Right? Oh, uh, still a bit safe, though, for my liking, to be honest. But, but if we, not if, when we grow by 100, we won't say we did it. We can only say God did it. We can only say this was God, this was not us. This was God. And that's why 100, as much as it scares me in the normal, natural Jonathan the faith, because this is with my eyes closed. This is the vision that I see with my eyes closed. God said, I will build my church. So a hundred is nothing. What is a hundred? To us, it's a big deal because those of us who've been here for the last seven years with me, like a like hundred, Pastor John, we haven't seen that in the last number of years. I know. I know. But I'm speaking the vision over us as a house 25 is too small, 50 is not bad, 100 will break everything. What do I mean by that? Well, kids, we have no space for the kids in the kids' classroom. We're going to have parking issues. We're going to have all these other things that will break, so to speak, as a result of growing by 100. And you know what I say in 2019? I say, God, we welcome it. We welcome it. Bring it because we're ready for it. So... Number three is a growing church. 
in and of itself, the goal alone is not enough to drive us to our knees. It won't be human effort um, because it won't last. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We're not going to read it, but there's a move of God going on as the disciples are moving in boldness. They're stepping out. They're preaching even though they're told to not preach. And there's a man named Gamaliel who stands up because they're being reprimanded, these young guys that were with Jesus. And Gamaliel stands and he says, listen to the council. He goes, there are others who tried and failed. They came saying this and saying that and they failed. I'm not saying we're better. I'm not saying that at all. Remember, we approach today with humility, with reverence, with fear and trembling and reverence for God. And Gamaliel said, listen, if this is of God, what these men are doing, then who are we to stand against it and to try to stop it? Because nothing can stop God. But if it's of themselves, well, what do we have to worry? It'll, it'll fail anyways. And that's what was going on then. So what I say today for our church is that we will know if this is God's work or our work. If it's our work, guess what? It's going to fail because it's our plan. But when it's God's work and God's plan, he will see to it that every T is crossed and every I is dotted to fulfill his promise to our church. Can somebody say amen? And the thing is, it doesn't seem like we have a problem receiving new visitors or guests. We don't. There's a cool metric, and I'll just be very brief on this point. Uh, Google Maps, I posted some photos, and some of you I've noticed have posted photos from Sunday services on Google Maps or on Google on our business page. And I got an email a couple of weeks ago, um, and I wasn't expecting it at all, and it said, in the last 30 days... Through Google Maps, people are searching, I guess, for Pentecostal Church or Weston Road or something church. And they're finding our church and they're looking through the images. In the last 30 days, it said uh, one of the pictures I posted had over a thousand views. Over a thousand views. When I saw that, there was like a spark inside of me. I was like, well, a hundred might be too small then. Because like there are thousands of people within less than a kilometer of our building. Did you know that? And I'm just saying, God, this is the number that we're starting with. But we're available, we're open to whatever you want to do in our church. But I thought that Google, Google Maps uh, thing was a pretty cool thing to discover. The question I have, though, is if we see a lot of people coming, because there are a lot of new faces every single Sunday when, we get up, when I get up to preach that I, that I notice... Uh, the question I have is, why aren't people staying? Then why aren't people staying? If we see them, they can't all just be visitors. Some, I'm, I believe, are looking for a church or they walk in. So number four, the church that I see with my eyes closed is a discipling church. A discipling church. I didn't say a disciplining church. Right? We don't do that with this. Um, there are some preachers who've used the Word of God to bash people. Um, we at Weston will use the Word of God to lift people up to a higher standard and to a higher level. And so we always use the Word of God to lift people up, not to bring people down. And so I didn't say a disciplining church. 
I said a discipling church. And, and bottom line, what that means is we are developing, and we have to develop because it's not really started yet, but we know it's imminent, the next steps ministry. Next steps ministry. It doesn't exist yet. What do you mean? It's like starting point. Someone new comes to our church, right? Some of you today, you're like welcome to the family conversation. Um, you may have filled out um, the communication card. Obviously, we're going to follow through. We have an email that we will send you. We'll give you a gift before you leave. We'll send you a couple of more emails with some resources and links. But after that, we don't really have a ministry stream, a next step thing where we take new people and actually say, hey, this is who we are as a church. I know we did a coffee with the pastors at the end of September. That was us like starting to take a step into that direction. But we would have to do this. Let me give you briefly how I envision it with my eyes closed, of course. We're not there yet. But how I see it happening is at the end of every month, all of the, the guests that have come or they consider themselves new, we meet for coffee. I give them uh, just a nice introduction. They get to hear the heart that we have for the church and for the community, for people. And we, and we just have a coffee after church. But then the next step for them is a four-week process that walks them through basically the DNA of our church, something similar to... Uh, you know, week one, this is your spiritual journey. This is what it means to follow Jesus. The second one, where we explain all the different ways that they can connect at the church. The third week would be something where they get to discover their gifts, their strengths, their calling and purpose. And then the fourth is we tell them how they can serve and get involved. Because we want to make Weston a place where people are able to contribute, not just consume. And we need to make it easier for people to cross over to get to that point of contributing and serving here in the house and being used in that way. So that's what I envision for a discipling church as our next step. There's a lot more in the future, but for 2019, we need to establish this new ministry. The fifth thing, and we're almost there, I'm aware of the time, but I need to express everything the church that I see with my eyes closed is a church of influence. A church of influence. We have not been called to copy the behavior and pattern of the world, but rather to be influencers. That's a, my paraphrase of Romans 12 verse 2. We're not called to copy and to pattern ourselves after the world. We are called to be salt and light, Matthew chapter 5. We are called to actually influence to bring the God flavors to this world, to let them know there is true love, there is a God that loves them, to let them know about the hope. But we have to do our part as salt and light, it says in Matthew 5. So I'm super excited. This has been over three years in the making because um, I've been talking about this, and some of you know this for a long time, but on October 25th to 27th, we're going to be hosting our first church conference, and it's going to be called Salt and Light Conference. And um, one of the things that I'm greatly encouraged for is God put a specific speaker on my heart to invite as the main speaker for this conference. And in reality, there's no way that the speaker should say yes to our invitation. 
just given their platform already. Um, so I said, God, I feel like you've prepared me and us on this side. So then I have to assume you're preparing this invitation for him to receive on the other side. If there's a reference to Acts chapter 10, Peter and Cornelius. Read that and you kind of understand how God works at both ends. So I said, Lord, I'm going to, my wife, this is where she's thinking, you're crazy. Why would you send an email to, to that guest speaker to come? I was like, because I feel God's saying to do it. So I did. And the response came, and there were a couple of uh, emails back and forth. And about two weeks ago, I think it was during our week of prayer and fasting, no coincidence, that I got the response saying uh, that this guest speaker is more than happy and delighted to be coming to uh, our conference. And I was like, my church doesn't even know that we're having a conference. So, like, don't, let's not post anything. But as excited as I am right now, um, this is what I'm excited for, that I believe it's God who's orchestrating all of these things. As we are taking, right, visions, what we see with our eyes closed, we walk by faith, not by sight. And as I'm starting to take these first initial steps, even though it seems like small, it's just an email, but I'm starting to see the response, that there, there's something, some petros, some bedrock that I'm actually putting my foot on, and that I'm starting to see God responding in in a way that can I can only say is God and we're only at the very beginning of it so get ready um, block the date we're going to obviously be uh, planning more for this conference but I want to say this that we need a strong team for this conference and I'm I, I've been a part of events and conferences I'm guesstimating we need about 50 volunteers who will commit for, it's a Friday, Saturday, and we'll end with our guest speaker here on a Sunday morning in our church service. So we need 50 people, I'm guesstimating, who will commit to, to say, Pastor, whatever we need to do, I'll, I'll serve on this team, whatever team, just we want to commit to the vision of it and see it come to pass. And so more will be coming out uh, with that, and I'm super excited for that. Then the last thing, the church that I see with my eyes closed is a church that seizes the 167. A church that seizes the 167. And you might be like, what? What, is, what in the world does 167 mean? Well, it comes out of this, and I have said this once or twice before, that in any given week, we are given 168 hours and we spend about one hour on average here together on a Sunday. And you, some of you are like, what do you mean an hour? Church is like an hour and a half. So if you want me to say the 166.5, you show up at 1030 on time and I'll stop saying 167. Right? Deal? But we have on average, let's say, 167 hours where we're not here where we're not here. The question that God has been uh, bothering me, if I could say it that way with, is if the church wasn't here, how would we reach and, and still preach and share the love of God with people? If this gathering ceased to exist, how would we still continue to be the church? And so seizing the 167... In our context, because we are here on a Sunday, is how are we going to 
maximize our opportunity in the other 167 hours in our week where we're not gathered. And the big thrust in this point is social media. Social media. I'm well aware of all the benefits of Facebook Live, Instagram Live, Insta Stories. But the reality is we don't have volunteers yet at our church that are taking this upon themselves. So whatever you see on Instagram for Weston Road or on Facebook is, is mostly from me. Uh, if I am too busy, I just don't post, and we're not doing much in that regard. Now, we have scripture that gets posted every single day, and we do have someone who faithfully volunteers and does that, and they've been doing it for years, and I'm so grateful for that. That's the start. So all of us have a platform. Yours might not be social media, but it might be your place of work, the people that you have influence in your circle of friends. How are you maximizing those opportunities? And what I felt God say for us is, like when I look with my eyes open, I'm the only one on staff, the website, I have to try to update that and maintain that. Uh, try to make sure these things are fresh and I don't always do it. And some of you are good at reminding me, hey, pastor, we need to update this part or are the sermon podcasts come in. And uh, those are things that with my eyes open, I, I see like I'm the, the lid on all of it. With my eyes closed, what I envision is a team of people who catch the vision, understand the importance and the reach, the far reach of social media who will say, Pastor, we want to do more, and we're going to help you in this. Teach us. I'm more than willing to teach and to empower to get things done. I, I will say this. We have two of our Royals youth last month or so, just before Christmas, said uh, they were eagerly awaiting to talk to me after a service. They said, would it be okay if we helped with the Royals Instagram account, which is Royals Youth? And I was like, Yes. It's like an answer to a prayer that I never spoke out loud yet. But we have so much that we could do, but we're just not tapping into it. We can put our sermons on Facebook Live. We can. But right now, I'm just, I have too much to do. So I'm just putting it out there that in this year, I don't know how, how much God wants to do in this area. What I am praying for is that if people would catch the vision... And say, Pastor, let, us, let me know what you need. Show me how to do it. I'll do it every single Sunday when church is done. If this has to get posted or edited, teach me how to do it. I'll do it. I will take time. I'll make time to sit down and teach you every single step. Because I've had to learn to do it many years ago. So social media, seizing the 167. In this year of 2019, we have to take a step forward in this direction. We have to. We used to have the excuse, well, we don't have um, good internet at the church. We can't say that anymore because we have blazing fast internet now at the church. 300 up, 300 down. So we're good to go for internet. And I say all that to get to this last point. I want to share with you some stats on social media. 72% of people would rather use video over text to learn. So they'd rather watch a video than to read a bunch of stuff to learn. It's, it's the way of YouTube nowadays. 
by 2020, 80% of all consumer internet traffic will be online video. By 2020, hello, we're only a year away. 80% of all consumer internet traffic will be online video. And then lastly, 79% of online adults use Facebook. 79% of online adults use Facebook. That's 68% of all of America. Amazing. And yet, we're not even tapping into that a little bit. So my prayer is that that would spark a fire in some of your hearts. I sum up by saying this. 2019, monthly encounter nights, we're going to pray. Staffing, we're going to hire an associate pastor and whatever else God leads us to do. We're going to meet our growth goal of 100 people. And if God wants to do more, then we welcome it. Next Steps Ministry, Salt and Light Conference, and we're going to seize the 167, which I will rephrase to 166.5, because we're going to commit to showing up at 10.30 a.m. And I close by saying this. I'll ask the band to come up, because we're going to close with a song, a very intentional song, God of the Promise, that I, when I shared all of this at the board uh, meeting we had in December, one of our board members, and I'll say who it is, is Pat, uh, who's sitting right here. He put his hand up. Now remember, I said I, I went for like an hour and a half straight without stopping much. And when I saw his hand up, I thought, uh-oh. Either it'll be he disagrees with something or the complete opposite. But I respect what, whatever our board says. So we, we take it as everyone has a voice at the table. And when he put his hand up, he said, I'm not sure if there are others around the table that know this. And I want you to listen. Because this radically transformed everything I said around that, that table in that room. He said, I don't know if any other board members were there. But he said, many years ago, when our founding fathers of our church were still here, many, I think all of them have died, have gone to be with the Lord now. He said, there was a guest speaker. And the guest speaker had a prophetic word that he spoke over our church. And he said, and correct me if I don't get the, the words 100% right, or just give me a thumbs up if I'm close enough. But he said, that this church will experience growth. Okay, thumbs up. This church will experience growth. And it didn't stop there. He said, but you, and he was pointing to the founding fathers. He said, you won't be here to see it happen. I had no clue that that even happened in the history of our church. That there would be a prophetic word spoken years before I would ever make my way here. Where God began speaking to my heart for this year, this season for our church. That at that boardroom, Pat would be sitting as a board member. This is not coincidence. I truly believe that this is God aligning our steps and getting us in tune with what he wants to do for our church in this year. Yeah. And we get to be a part of it. Yeah. We get to be a part of it. We could say, God, why us? But what's the point of asking the question if God has spoken and he's saying, because it's now. Yeah. 
because this is the appointed time and season for the church to grow. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to just remind you of what it's going to take as we prepare for 2019. Some of you are like, this has been a long service. Get ready because 2019 is going to be a long year. And I hope you feel inspired. Some of you might be like, Pastor John is crazy. It's official. I'm going to tweet it. We'll post it on Insta. Actually, I'll delete the Instagram post I wanted to do. But as I was writing all of these notes, I felt God say to me this. Tell the people what it's going to cost. And, and I'm not speaking dollars. Obviously, it's going to take money to put on a conference and all of that. Let me say one thing about that. We don't chase after money, ever. At Weston, we faithfully do the work of ministry. And if God guides us to do that, God will also provide. So as we are faithful to do the ministry, money will follow ministry. Ministry does not chase money. The money follows the work of ministry. And this is where I find the confidence. But God said, tell the people and remind the people how much it's going to cost. So what is the cost? The cost is the time, the energy, the resource, and the commitment. And these are the three things. It's going to take passionate commitment. Number one, passionate commitment. Yeah, but it was snowing. Yeah, but I'm passionately committed. So nothing's going to stop me. Yeah, but it was my car didn't start. I got the neighbor to boost it up. And I came to church anyways because I'm passionately committed. The second thing, persistent communication. Yes, on this level, but also that level because it's going to drive us to our knees. And then thirdly, patience. Patience. If God said it, God will do it. And we're not going to rush through this year. We're going to take it in stride. And as God begins to open our understanding of, of how we're going to get to all of these goals, guess what? We'll, we'll know when it's time and we'll move when it's time. And I just know that 2019 is the year. And today, all I simply ask, and I close this morning's message, is with this question. Are you willing? I don't care if it's your first time here. You might say, I just was visiting, but I'm kind of stirred up in my heart. I want to say this. Maybe you're part of the beginning of our hundred people that we're reaching this year and more. Maybe, maybe God, but here's what I do say. Would you commit to 2019, to being faithful here? Would you commit passionately to showing up? Would you commit to passionately pray with perseverance and then to patiently wait for God to do what he what only he can do here I can't do it alone that's why I have to share the vision we're all getting on the journey together and I believe that as we faithfully commit it to the Lord we will know him as God of the promise thank you so much for listening to the sermon of the week God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.